It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, welcome back, everybody. I am really thrilled to have my next guest on the show today, Bogey Latiner. Bogey Latiner is here in the Valley with me. Uh, we're both... Uh, we're both residents of the great state of Arizona, so we're just basking in our in our summer heat. It's so much fun. Anyway, Bogie Latiner is an entrepreneur who's built an incredible platform. She's on the hit TV show All Girls Garage, currently on its ninth season on Motor Trend TV. Uh, before COVID, Bogie has uh, was traveling uh, traveling the country and doing workshops, teaching women on how to work on their vehicles, which is, I think, uh, super important. Um, you know, I happen to have five kids, three of which are girls, and we always try to get them to at least learn how to change their tire. And I'm excited to have her on the show, not only to talk about what she does, but also uh, just to get her thought on trade school versus college versus everything else. Uh, Bogey Latiner, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, I think uh, what you guys are doing there are is incredible. And it was blown away. I, I can't believe this is your ninth season on uh, Motor Trend TV. That's that's pretty big. I know. It's kind of crazy. I can't believe that much time has passed by it. Like, you know. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you this. How, how did all this come about? Uh, how did they find you or, or what was going on that all of a sudden they tapped your shoulder and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? So talk about how the, the show got started. Yeah, so I had no intention of being on TV. It, it wasn't like this was a goal of mine when I was a little kid, like, oh, I'm going to grow up and be on TV one day. No, um, I was a mechanic and I was a shop owner and I was just kind of busy doing my thing, running a shop here in, uh, in Central Phoenix and wrenching full time. And um, they were looking for female mechanics. And at the time it was kind of pre-social media really taking off. And so it was kind of challenging to find other women technicians. And so they reached out to me. They found me, there was a couple of like newspaper articles that had been written about me. And they reached out and said, we're looking for female mechanics who authentically know what they're doing. And we'd, we'd love you to come out and audition. And uh, at, at, at first, I didn't want to do it, honestly, <laughs> but, but they convinced me. I like that. I like what you said. They authentically know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. All right. So, what's that? They didn't want an actress. Yeah, they didn't want an actress. Yeah, all right, all right. So, Girl Gang Garage Phoenix on Central Phoenix. Tell me about this. So, uh, you had this, this dream or this goal uh, from high school, from you know, from trade school. When did this idea come about? I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, <laughs> so I I got into cars when I was in high school. I okay. got my first car. It was a piece of junk. It was an old uh, 1974 Volkswagen Bug, and um and they they break a lot. First of all, so you kind of like have to know how to fix them. I feel like Volkswagen Bugs are the gateway drug into cars. Um, <laughs> But um, 
but also I, I started reading car magazines and I noticed that the only time women showed up, they were in high heels and bikinis and they were, you know, modeling with the cars, but never working on them. And I, I took that as a challenge. So even though I didn't grow up around cars, nobody in my family is into cars. They don't know where I came from. Uh, I, I took it as a challenge and I decided that not only was I going to work on my own car, but I was going to restore my own car. And I knew nothing about cars, nothing. So I enrolled in high school auto shop and I got a lot of pushback. And the more people pushed back and said, no, you shouldn't do this either because I was a woman or because as my guidance counselor said, you're smart, you can go to college, um, which is horrible, really in retrospect, right? Um, as opposed to, as opposed to you, as opposed to having somebody who is not smart working on your car or whatever you know, whatever else that they might work yeah. on, right? You want that, that's what a weird comment. <laughs> it is well, it, it you know, it taps into this incredible bias that our society has against the blue collar trades and trades in general, and it's this I, idea that they are somehow less than. Right. And if you're smart, you go to college, and if you can't cut it there, then you go to a trade school, and that that is a hardly outdated stereotype that needs to go away. Because our cars today, I don't know if you know this, but um, starting probably about 15, almost 20 years ago, um, high-end cars had more control modules in them than the first space shuttle. Wow. So cars are complicated. Like our technicians today really are rocket scientists and they, they need to be smart. They need to be both tactilely smart as well as cerebrally smart. And, and it's a different sort of thing. Not everybody's meant to sit in a cubicle. Some people are great with their hands, um, but yet we, we like to push kids into a certain direction and say that there's only one path for success. And that's, I think, doing our kids a real disservice. You know what? And I agree with that. I think it is a, um, I, I think it's a very, I don't know, uh, mis, misappropriated uh, label or, or, or even strategy because I think that I think the way it started is you know whatever it was a hundred years ago where only certain kids got to go to college you know and, and and then of course things changed and college was available to everyone but I think that people were so excited about college being available for everyone that they forgot that even though it might be available for everyone it's not for everyone yeah yeah, and I think there's a lot of, you know, there's, we always, parents want the best for their kids. They want their kids sure. to be better than they did. And, um, you know, my, both of my parents were the first kids in their families to go to college and they went to a community college. So for their daughter to go to a private college was a, was a step up, right, in, sure. in the stereotypical mindset of, of, you know, what's better, good, better, best. But that good, better, best is outdated, and yeah. it's based on old stereotypes that, that don't hold true any longer. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, and I think, you know, look, people have said over and over again that are that the American education system needs an enema. It needs to be rebuilt. It It's completely outdated, right? And I think not only in elementary and in junior high and high school, even college is outdated because, uh, you know, uh, it seems like, no matter what degree you're going for, they want to throw in, you know, certain levels, certain math and algebra, or and it's like, well, wait a minute, if I'm gonna go in there for art, well, why do I need algebra? 
Because you'd be surprised the crossover and a lot of that stuff. But, <laughs> and you know, I'm not, I'm not a naysayer against college by any means. I went to college. I did a four-year college degree. Um, so I took auto shop in high school. And then I went off to college because that's what I was supposed to do. And, sure. and I loved it. It was wonderful. I don't regret that decision. After college, I went to trade school. And so I did things, you know, kind of backwards in the stereotypical sense. But it gave me this unique way of seeing that both groups of kids, the kids that go to tech school and the kids that go to traditional four-year college, um, both of them are only getting half of the good stuff. Right. In college, I really learned, you know, critical thinking and research and theories and, you know, all the history and the roots and all of the good stuff, right? And then in trade school, I learned how to take care of myself as an adult. I learned how to make money. I learned how to budget. I learned how to pay bills. Like nobody in college ever taught me what a 401k was, but I learned that in trade school. Interesting. So yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting thing. Like both of our kids are only getting half of the half of the, the knowledge. <laughs> no, I agree with you. And, and interesting enough, I remember in high school, you know, that uh, our uh, our uh, algebra teacher, matter of fact, kept talking about you know balancing a checkbook, but yet we never actually got to balance a checkbook. <laughs> and, and, and and so that's why I mean, you know, that that sometimes. Um, uh, that's why I should say, let me back up and said, that's why I mean that our education system really needs to be revamped, updated. Uh, not only is college not for everyone, but not all the courses that they teach in college are really as required as they want you to believe. And, mm-hmm. and yes, algebra, you know, there, there may be a crossover here and there, but I think that, you know, there are some kids uh, who love math. And, and I think, man, if you love math, then let's give them as much math as they can take. You know, I mean, I have a good friend of mine who's uh, a uh, oh, he's into physics and, and, and all that string theory stuff. And that's great. Super smart guy. Uh, in fact, I can I, I can go to him when I don't understand a math problem. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, there are some there, there are some people who are going to be more creative. They're more into writing or into some of the other skills. And I think that uh, that needs to be uh, emphasized as well. But I love what you're saying about trade school. I think trade school is like is being treated as this stepchild. Yeah. And, you know, what's so funny is that whether it's a mechanic that you call on or an AC repair or a plumber or the list goes on, these are all important skills because if nobody knows how to fix your car or your plumbing uh, or your AC, especially here in the in the desert. I mean, <laughs> think about how important an AC person is right now. I mean, they, they are just Absolutely. high in demand, and there's not enough. No, you're 100 percent correct, and and I think people don't really realize how dramatic of an issue this is going to be in in the very near future. I mean, we have a severe, severe shortage of qualified automotive technicians, as uh, just transportation technicians in general. So trucks, planes buses, all of it, right? So if we don't have people to fix cars and trucks and trains and planes and buses and all of the rest of it, how how does the food get to the grocery store? How does the food get to your house? How do you get to work? How does anything in our society continue to happen if we don't have people to repair the things that keep our society moving? And we are like something like 200 and something thousand technicians short every year 
and grow. Wow. So wow. if you graduate from a technical school now um, and go into the automotive field, you have a job anywhere in the country, anywhere you want to go right here. Right. Wow. And nobody can take this away from me. Like I, you can't outsource that. You know, COVID happened and all of a sudden, you know, most of my streams of income at this point have to do with social stuff, right? Car shows and teaching and speaking and events and that kind of stuff. So all of that dried up, but I could just go right back to fixing cars. So I was okay, right? Nobody can take that away from me. Right, right. You know, it's funny you should say that. Um, John Ratzenberger, who's famous for playing Cliff Clavin um, uh, on the show Tears, and uh, he has uh, been in every uh, Pixar movie since they started Pixar uh, as a voice actor. Um, <laughs> I have a cat fight happening. I apologize. <laughs> I got to pause. No problem. No problem. Yeah. It's the great thing about uh, a live uh, TV show is that anything can happen. So uh, <laughs> no problem. Uh, but, I don't know what that was about. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, John Ratzenberger you know, he, he, his trade uh, is carpentry. And he said that the way he got into acting was purely, kind of like you, was purely by, by accident. He was actually building the stage for a production and they needed uh, uh, somebody to step in and, they, and they, he was there and they, and they said, hey, would you like to try this? And he said, sure. And so, um, and interestingly enough, you mentioned that with a trade skill, you can go almost anywhere in the country. How about any, almost anywhere in the world? Because as a carpenter, he had a friend in London who said, hey, they're paying handsomely over here. And so he flew to London uh, and that's where he started his film career. Um, and he was in Star Wars, of all things. Uh, he's, he's got a scene in Star Wars. Uh, but anyway, he said that uh, he fell in love with acting, but... When he wasn't acting, he said, I never worried about it. I said, I, I would go back to being a carpenter. Yeah. And, and so, the, you know, it's a great skill to be able to, uh, it's a great thing, first of all, to be able to rely on your skill. And it's a great skill to be able to do those things with your hands, and, and whether it's a mechanic or a carpenter or a plumber or whatever. Uh, let me ask you this. You were talking about the shortage of uh, technicians and, and, and all this other stuff. I took my car for a simple repair the other day. The, the, the handle, the, the latch stopped working uh, and, and they wanted like an arm and a leg to just get this latch working. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding. Why is it so expensive now to fix my car? I mean, I could see the computer side, but this is a latch. It's really simple. Talk about this. It's not anymore. It's not really simple. I, and I think that's where the, the confusion comes in and the outdated mindset about technicians and their skill set. Because it, it used to be back in the day that cars were relatively simple. You pressed on the gas pedal, it pulled on a cable or pushed a rod that opened up your throttle and that allowed your engine to run. That doesn't happen anymore. You push on your pedal and there's a sensor in there that tells the brain of the car how far you're pushing on the pedal then that brain communicates to an actuator under the hood that then tells the throttle to open up. So nothing's actually physically connected anymore. And often, even in your door latches, it's the same kind of scenario where it may not actually be physically connected to anything. And it's all going through wires and what they call canvas communications. Like there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And they all talk to each other because all of your doors have to talk to each other and your security system and your anti-theft and all of the rest of that stuff, right? So it's not so simple anymore. 
we're talking expensive parts. We're talking expensive labor to have a trained technician. The, the average American thinks that the average technician owns $5,000 worth of tools. When in reality, the average technician over the course of his career will own well over $100,000 worth of tools. Wow. So all of that, right? You think about that. Like I have one piece of equipment that is $15,000 that allows me to talk to BMWs. No other car, (laughs) just BMWs. And it's another $15,000 if I wanted to talk to Mercedes. And so the amount of investment, what you're paying for is, is the parts. You're paying for the qualified labor. You're paying to not have to do it twice if you're at a good shop, right? Right. You're paying for a warranty. You're paying for peace of mind. You're paying for a whole lot more than, than just a general repair. And I get that all the time. People say, well, why do spark plugs cost so much? It was only $190 on my 1980 Honda. <laughs> well, Things have changed a bit. Things have changed. Like I have to take apart half of your car now sometimes to get to your spark plugs. And they're sometimes 30 to 40 to $50 a piece. Yeah. Everything's changed. Technology. It's the pros and the cons of technology. Right. We get all the bells and the whistles. That's a whole lot more stuff to break. And it's expensive stuff. Well, and also speaking of change, you have uh, electric cars coming in uh, hot and heavy. I mean, Tesla uh fisker um i think all the major car companies ford bmw uh mercedes um you know chevy they all have a version of some either electric full electric or part or hybrid yeah yeah so that's all different yeah Uh, technology is changing so quickly like you're never done with schooling when you're a technician and that's that's both the curse and the blessing Sure. Like there's always something new and something exciting for for somebody who's considering a career in the trades or career in automotive. Like you're never done learning. You're always growing. You're always learning something new. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I still come across stuff where I'm like, "Oh, huh, that's cool. <laughs> Didn't know that." <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen that. Yeah. Well, you know what? The other side of that, though, is that it makes it it makes it exciting. It keeps your career fresh. That that yeah. you're always learning something new, uh, yes. and, and 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 so I like that. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I like about marketing is that there's always something new to learn. There's you know we're getting more information about how as as consumers how consumers think and how now we can reach consumers on their on their cell phone or you know on twitter or on facebook you know there's so many different ways to reach them and you can do so many different things and you know you can reach only women only men certain ages certain schools it just oh, there's so much you can do and technology keeps changing and keeps making that different right yeah. i think honestly the thing that attracted me to being an automotive technician was the same thing ultimately that attracted me to being an entrepreneur because I'm a serial entrepreneur as well. And it's the same thing. It's that constantly a new challenge, constantly pushing yourself, constantly thinking outside of the box and looking at problems differently. And, and I really, when I became a shop owner, when I became a business owner, I had to realize that my diagnostic skills as a technician really played into being able to diagnose my business, right? Because people people don't necessarily know how to do that. They, you're starting at the top. What are the symptoms? What could be the causes of it? All right, let's test that. Let's analyze that. Let's look at this until we get down to the heart of 
oh, this is the problem with my business or, oh, this is the problem with my car. It's the same process. Um, and it's just as rewarding. It's just as satisfying to be able to have a new problem that you haven't seen before and roll up your sleeves and dig in and get creative and put your brain and your hands and everything into it and, and get that solution at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And what's incredible about what you just said is that entrepreneurs are nothing more than problem solvers. That's really what we get paid bucks for, right? I mean, you know, I, I need my car fixed. I'm going to go to Bogey's garage. I need, you know, I'm going to, I need whatever X, Y, Z. You, you find the entrepreneur that knows X, Y, Z, and that's what they do. They solve problems. Um, and so people, it's so funny because uh, people sometimes, you know, shy away from problems or think they, you know, or we've been taught to think that problems are bad, but problems, that's where the profit is. Mm -hmm. if, it's, if, it, if there's not a profit, if there's not a problem, then there's no way that we can profit from it because nobody needs the solution because there's not a problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then, and that's where the learning is too. Yeah. When there's a problem within your business. That's where you learn when there's a problem in the car, when you mess up, right? Yes. Those are all opportunities to learn. And, and I think all too much, we're, we're looking for the quick, easy button. Yes. Whether it's on our car, whether it's on our business, whether it's on ourselves, like, oh, I have this symptom. Somebody said it must be this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to fix that. When that may not have even been your problem to begin with. It may have been, you start spending all this money on marketing, but really the bigger problem is you're not even profitable. And so more customers is actually hurting you because now you're losing even more money. Right? <laughs> right? You give away too many discounts, right? So you got to right. analyze it just like a technician would. And I think that the skills cross over and I think that's where I go back to the tech school versus college. Like we need both of those skills to be able to work hand in hand, problem solving and technical and communicating from your brain to your hand and um, being able to look at things analytically and um, creatively. I think all of it comes into play. Absolutely, no, you, you hit the nail right on the head there. I want to go back and talk about something that you said when you were entering a high school auto shop, you started getting that pushback. Did you get that pushback as you entered the trade schools as well? Just, talk about some roadblocks. Just a little bit. Okay. A lot. Um, yeah. I, you know, I came up before social media and social media has really done a lot to increase the visibility of women in the trades. And so I think there's a lot more, um, people kind of being exposed to the idea of it and they're less threatened or surprised by it. But when I was coming up, there really wasn't heck of a lot. I was the second girl in my high school to take auto shop. Uh, I went to a technical school with 3000 guys at the time. And there were seven girls in the entire school. Um, I was always the first woman that any shop I worked at had ever hired. I didn't work with another woman until I was about five or six years into my career. Um, and, and I got everything from, I think the curiosity, the like, are you really a mechanic? Hmm. I don't really believe you. I'm going to watch you until I believe you, um, to, to straight up displeasure and anger at me being in their space. I, I had a shop foreman who I used to work with who, um, literally would get so angry at just my mere presence that, you know, he'd get rid of the face and pound his fists on the tables and, and spit when he talked. Like he just, why do you want to be here? You don't belong here. I don't know why you want to be a man. Um, I, 
I've had people tell me that they um, would never hire a girl to work in the shop. Um, I've had people tell me that um, that they like again like they don't understand why I want to be a man. Um, that they don't feel like they should hire a woman. That women shouldn't be there. So I've gotten kind of all of it. Um, I think it's changing. I think a lot of it still exists. I think there's definitely still a lot of challenges that women in the industry face. Um, and I think the important kind of takeaway that I kind of try to share with other women coming into the industry is that, I, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. it. It is not necessarily an easy path. Being one of a minority is never um, a, a smooth sailing path. However, if you know that going into it and you really want to do it, there are a lot of phenomenal shops and phenomenal folks out there. I had some amazing male mentors and amazing male allies. And every shop I went to, there may have been the one a-hole who treated me horribly, but there, there were also a ton of allies who were cheering me on and who were supportive or who just didn't care if I was male or female. They just wanted a good technician in that position. Right. And, and so you find your allies and you find the good shops and and you push and you push and you push and you push to be your best and you keep going and you don't ever give up and you don't let those naysayers intimidate you, but instead you, you use them to fuel your fire to prove them wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I'm grateful. Uh, as I said earlier, I, you know, we have five kids, three girls. Um, and so I'm grateful that nowadays there are, I think, females in every category that you can think of, you know, and I, and I remember back in the day when the first female sports anchor was on TV and the amount of heat that she got, it's like, and everybody's waiting for her to mess up. Right. And yeah. all this, just all this attention on her, she better bring her a game. And now it's commonplace. It is. I, I mean, it's still it's still a minority, and, it, and there's still challenges. And I, I would say that the trades have been kind of the slowest. Sure. To, to there's been a huge push for women in technology and women in STEM, and and we've seen tremendous increases. Although women in technology is still the minority, but they're becoming much closer to to balanced out. In the automotive industry, when I started out, women made up 1.8 percent of all automotive technicians. We now are 2.5. I thought, you know, I thought you were going to tell me 10%. <laughs> no, nope. nope. we're really not slow. Quite, not quite 100%, but we're almost there. Not, not quite. And it's interesting because all of all the automotive uh, aftermarket, all of the positions, so from CEOs to, to you know, custodians, um, the whole lineup, uh, about 25% are women. And yet only 2.5 are technicians. So we've got women in service advising, women in management, women in sales, women in marketing, women in HR, women in accounting, women in all sorts of different areas of the automotive aftermarket, but not on the technical side. And, and I will say that when I was in tech school, I was, I was paying money to go to technical school. And yet I would have my teachers say, well, have you ever considered service advising? That's the, the person who sits at the desk and, and sells you the repair job, right? Right, right. Oh. Takes the order. Yeah. And they tried to convince me so often throughout my career, just go be a service advisor. Why do you want to be a technician, right? Technician is such a dirty job. That's my favorite. 
That's my favorite. I, I heard a great comeback to this. I can't claim it for myself, although I wish I'd come up with it. But uh, a bunch of men said to a, a woman, isn't, isn't it a dirty job? I would never let my wife do a job like that. And she said, so is cleaning toilets and changing diapers, but I bet you let your wife do that. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, being in the kitchen, uh, cooking dinner is a dirty job, yes. right? And it's like, come on. Well, you know what's so funny when you were talking about uh, somebody asking you, why do you want to be a man? Uh, you know, I've had the chance to interview several chefs, uh, Wolfgang Puck and, and some of these uh, other chefs. I bet you nobody says, hey, why do you want to be a woman? I mean, because, you know, a, a cook or a chef, you know, a chef is somehow okay for a man, but right. why is a mechanic not okay for a woman? That's that that weird double standard that we sometimes get in our society. It's just. Yeah. yeah. It's outdated stereotypes. It's outdated perceptions yeah. of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's unfortunate that it takes so long because you have some of these guys uh, that are knuckleheads and are outdated. And unfortunately uh, it's going to be a few more years before they die off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. Um, no, it's, it's true, though. I think change happens generationally and yes. it never happens as quickly as we'd like it to. And and it's sometimes hard to remember. You know, I'm, I've become I started out on this path to be a technician and be a shop owner. And then it's it's become really a, a life goal to make the life of women coming up after me a little easier than, than the way I had it. And so it's really my life's passion to increase women in the trades, increase visibility of women in the trades and improve their reception uh, within the industry. And it's, it's challenging at times when you're like fighting the good fight to keep it up and to remember that, that things are, you are moving the needle. Even if you don't think you are, you are moving the needle because in the day to day, we don't see it, right? We don't, we don't, we can't see the forest for the trees. But I know when I tell a 60 year old man that I'm an auto mechanic, they will grab my hands and inspect for dirt and question me as to whether I really know cars. But if I tell a 12 year old boy that I'm an auto mechanic, he goes, cool. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> right, so it's when those, when that generation grows up, it's gonna be a whole new world. But right, right now, it's still, it's still new. And even if it's not straight out sexism, it's curiosity and naivety. Yeah. And it's some sexism yeah. as well, right? So now there, there's yeah. a, I, I had a, uh, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, she's the CEO of a company called Ask Patty. Mm, I'm very good friends with her, Jody Devere. Thank you, Jody Devere. Yes. Yeah, and, and so, yes. uh, so you guys know each other, which is awesome. Yes. You're probably yes. aware of then. You know, I, I thought her program was fantastic. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman, and also does a lot of. You know, she's been usually successful in the automotive industry, not from a technical perspective, but from an entrepreneurial standpoint and being a trailblazer and making a path for women in on the corporate side. And she's done a phenomenal job of like reaching back down and, and bringing people up with her. And uh, she's just a phenomenal, phenomenal lady. Yeah, she is. And, and I thought, you know, uh, if you guys didn't know each other, I was going to I was going to introduce you because obviously <laughs> your paths are aligned. And yes. an incredible job. I mean, I, I thought that her program, Ask Patty, was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So, so as a serial entrepreneur, let's talk about your platform, your brand. You know, so your first goal was to open up a shop. And, and as, as you mentioned earlier, TV wasn't part of that uh, 
you know, of that process at the time. But what was your process? What were you thinking as you started to open up your shop? And and did you did you have a specialty in mind? Talk about that. Yeah. So I've, I've had two shops now over the course of my life. But my first shop really came out of um, I, I was working at a dealership and I was loving it. It was great, but it wasn't enough. I wanted more. And I remembered back to when I was a kid and when I was bringing my car to the repair shop and how much like a, like a target I felt I had on my head as a young woman. And I thought, I, I want to open up a shop where nobody ever feels the way that I did. And so I really created, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been a business owner before. I had no clue. I quit my job with $200 to my name and absolutely petrified and no plan. Uh, and I called all of my friends and I said, bring me your cars. I'm starting up a shop. <laughs> and, um, that's how that started. Um, but it grew because I built it around, I built it around customer service. I built it around taking care of people and the way that I took care of people was through taking care of their car but really it was about the person not about the car and and so I really built this huge word of mouth uh, referral based business and it grew from me working in my driveway and teaching women's car care classes in my living room to having a small shop to a bigger shop to a bigger shop to a really big shop where I, I ultimately, at the largest, I think I had 10 employees, uh, eight bays. Um, it, was a, it was a decent-sized business. I sold that a year, a little over a year ago to focus full-time on my current shop, which is Girl Gang Garage. And, and that's where it's kind of a, a, a growth, outgrowth of the original concept. So with my original shop, I really wanted to create opportunities for women. I always had a women's um, uh, apprentice level position open for a woman just coming into the industry uh, to create to create more space for ladies and to be all about changing the dynamic between women consumers and their car repair. Like letting women know that they don't have to be afraid of their car. They don't have to be afraid of the car repair process. And so now with Girl Gang Garage, in, instead of just doing that within my bubble of, of my shop, I'm now doing workshops and classes for women throughout the year when we're not in coronavirus times. Um, and we do these huge all-female restorations where we invite women of all skill levels in to work on a build. So we bring together professionals. So they have an opportunity to meet and work with other ladies, and that helps them build confidence and feel more validated and seen uh, and appreciated within the industry. So they're more likely to stay within it. And then we're allowing newbies who, who don't know anything about cars to come and try it and explore it. And then many of them go on to take up new hobbies, welding, or some of them have even gone into the industry professionally. Um, so really just exposing people to it and and really trying to create a more open environment within the automotive industry to women. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, so the uh, Girl Gang Garage, um, I have the website, Bogey's Garage. Does Girl Gang Garage have, have its own website? Girl Gang Garage does, okay. yes. Yeah. Bogey's Garage is mostly just me. 
um, as a celebrity, um, which is still really weird for me to get used to, um, <laughs> because that's not how I see myself. But um, yeah, Girl Gang Garage is my shop. Okay, girlganggarage.com? Yes. Okay, great. And, and so uh, so there, it, it not only is it a real shop, but it's also a university, so to speak, a training facility. Yes and no. I mean, we're not like accredited. We don't, you know, you don't get any certificates or anything. Um, you get experience. And really, it's about the connection and the community building. And you know, a lot of the ladies who come to the shop to take part in the builds or the classes, you know, they, uh, they've expressed that it's a it's a coming home. Sure. They're finally around other women who they can relate to. Uh, one woman who came out, she, she called me up before she came out and, uh, and she said, Boogie, I'm 40 years old and I have never met another woman like me. There is no way that I am missing this opportunity to come out and, and work on this build with you guys. Um, and so it, it is a lot of times, the, the, especially on the all-female builds, because we get professionals that come from all over the country, they come in and from the moment they walk in, they're, they're like, oh my God, sisters, right? Like we, we all share the same stories and the same experiences. And so there's this instant connection uh, and then that becomes a network of support all over the country that, that people have continuing throughout their career. So it's it's an interesting space. It's not we're not open to the public. We don't do general repairs on on cars at the moment. Um, but we we have regular classes and then we have the all female build. So there's constantly opportunities for people to come in and learn and and try things because. How often does the average Jane Doe get a chance to try plasma cutting or try welding or see if she likes it? Unless unless she's had somebody in her family or her life that does this stuff, you know, the average woman doesn't get to get to touch these tools and say, "Oh my gosh, I like this. This is awesome. I want to do more." Right? <laughs> so that's what it's all about. Well, you know what? And I'd say even the average guy doesn't get to play with those tools. I mean. Plasma sure. cutting. I want to try that. It's so much fun. <laughs> You're cutting metal with fire. I mean, That's come it. on. I mean, like, you know, I, <laughs> I want to build something. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'd love to come, you know, but. But you're right, you know, and back to what you were saying about, hey, you may not be accredited or whatever. However, experience builds confidence. And let me tell you, that's so much more important than a certificate because or an accreditation because yeah. you know somebody with confidence that confidence shows through the interview that confidence shows through okay. the to the consumer i'd rather have somebody who's confident without a, cert, a certificate than somebody with a certificate that doesn't know what they're doing yeah and and for the women who are coming in who are new who are not experienced they're they're really coming in we see it as kind of a funnel so we're just giving them the ability to touch and feel and try and and try it on, right? Like you try on a pair of shoes, try on welding, try on body work, try on paint, try on mechanical, try on electrical, see if you like it. And if it is something you like, then there's all sorts of resources where you can go get accredited and get training and become an apprentice and go make a career out of it. We're not trying to take the place of those schools. We're not a technical school. You're not going to graduate with a degree. But we, what we are going to do is create an opportunity for you to explore, which is something that we don't often get the opportunity to do in a safe and, and non-judgy environment. Um, so for the newbies, it's an opportunity to explore. And for the experienced women, it's an opportunity to connect and create community. And, and then 
there's so much mentorship and friendship and just amazingness that comes out of it that I can't, it's difficult to put into words, to be honest. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you know what, and, and I, what you're doing there is, is vitally important, vitally important. The idea to go there and experiment. Uh, we as a society have forgotten the importance of experimenting. You know, we, we, it, it's okay to try and fail. It's okay to try and say, you know, I, I, I tried it. I didn't like it. And, and I think that our society has gotten away from that and, and that somehow that if you try something and fail at it or don't like it, you're somehow, I don't know, less than or something. But, you know, back to what you were saying where somebody can, can try welding or electronics or painting. I mean, those are areas where people can innovate. I mean, there, there are people out there who have become famous for their ability to paint, a, to, to paint vehicle, they they come, you know, they're, you know, just like a tattoo artist has become famous for that tattoos. Yeah, you know, there is if you're good at something, you can build a platform around what you're good at, whether it's mm -hmm. painting or electronics or welding. The work gets out there. Yeah, and there's so much interesting crossover. You know, I think it goes back to kind of our original conversation. You know, about exposing our kids to all of the things. Right. We don't get to choose what they are when they grow up. Right. right. Um, I, I hear it equally from, from parents who are like, I, you know, I tried to get my kid interested in cars and they weren't interested in, at all versus I tried to keep them out of the garage and they still took to it. Right. But we've got to expose our kids to all of the things and let them choose their own path because you never know what they're going to like. And there's this fascinating crossover thing. I, there's there's one woman in particular who I think of. Um, she hails from uh, Montana, so she's like you know rural and the the perfect mom and cooks and bakes and does all and she's like model perfect. Um, and and she was this expert baker. She makes these amazingly ridiculously decorated cakes, like true true talent. Had never touched welding before. She came to the shop, uh, to Girl Gang Garage, to participate in our first all-female build that we did. And we did a little workshop on welding. And she picked up TIG welding, which is really hard for a lot of people to pick up. She picked it up like that. And it's because it was the same like hand-eye coordination, being able to do two different things with two different hands. And, and doing something different with your foot at the same time, because there's like a lot of things happening when you're doing TIG welding. But her baking and cake decorating experience crossed over to make her an amazing welder. And it's things like that where you're like, I never would have thought of that, right? Like I never would have thought that there would be that corollary, but we, we see a skill in, in a kid and we go, oh, you'd be really good at X. When that skill could also mean Y Z W H L A B right all of the the whole alphabet right right, <laughs> right? right? absolutely I, I anyway it's phenomenal um, I'm excited that you're here in the valley I will tell all my friends about girlganggarage.com and get my, get the uh, ladies out there yes uh, this is something that uh, you know church groups could get around uh, uh, you know uh, thoughts, whatever you know because this is so important. Um, I would say most girls in their 20s or younger, you know, between the age of, let's say, 16 and 20, 16 and 21, don't even know how to change a tire. Yep. And, and so, uh, like I said earlier, that's the one thing that we try to get all our girls to do, at least be able to do that. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, once we re once we get back to some semblance of, of normal, um, we'll be resuming classes and we do women's car care classes on the regular. We teach you how to check a tire pressure, how to change a tire, how to jumpstart a battery, change windshield wipers, check fluids, check hoses, all the basics that every driver should know how to do. Yes. Yes. And, you know, real quick, because we're almost out of time. When you say you do a build, is this just a regular vehicle? Or are you guys building something exotic? What's the No, build? we take a, a classic vehicle, um, an old, beat-up, horrible vehicle, and we bring it down to bare metal. And then we do a complete restoration from metal work all the way through to a running, painted, polished, the whole thing, interior and everything. Um, and we unveil them at a show called SEMA, which is kind of the Super Bowl of car shows for anybody yeah. who doesn't know car shows. It is the world stage, really, for, for builders to show their work. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, and, and it's kind of unusual to do something with mostly newbies. Um, so yeah, that's phenomenal. It turned out that's pretty phenomenal. cool stuff, though. Well, awesome. Well, listen, we're out of time. It's been fun having you on here. Can't wait to get to know you better since you're here in the Valley. We're going to, you know, as soon as things clear up, I'd like to come uh, down to the shop and, and maybe do an on location shoot and, awesome. and, and talk about more about what you guys do there. Girlgangarage.com, Bogey Latiner. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. It's, I've had so much fun. Thank you.